detective. Thrill me. We're back, Jared. Mm. Who put us back? <laughs> Who gave us the microphone again? We've managed to uh, break the, uh, the sophomore slump and get a second gig. Well, thankfully, there's no sort of rating system or anything like that, or we wouldn't have been uh, back on. No, no, probably not. There would have been some uh, some discussions about that uh, with regards to getting us off the air. Uh, this is episode two of the Thrill Me podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and beside me is the co-host, Jared. Adam. This episode, we are covering... 1991 Stone Cold. Mm. So if we weren't off the air, we will be after this. <laughs> yeah, this episode should most surely, surely put us into the ground. As usual, what have you been recently been watching, mate? Uh, yeah, it's mostly been TV this week. Yeah. Keeping up on uh, Arrow and The Flash, which are two of my favourite shows. If you haven't been watching them, get on board. Um, I'm no, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't expect you to, mate. It's quality television. Um, yeah, I'm but, still cracking on Home and Away. And the yeah. yeah, no, they're um, uh, obviously geared towards comics fans, mm. um, but there's a lot of action in there. They're quite enjoyable. Robocop, the TV series. Shit. <laughs> Has someone got that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I managed to locate the, You're the, one. the single copy. <laughs> single copy? Uh, must have been the Masters or something. I think so. I don't know if they wanted to reproduce too many of them. Um, yeah, look, it's not it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some, some uh, cool things about it. I think the guy playing Robocop's not too bad. Is it cheap? Like, is it cheap? Um, is it one of those type of shows where they kind of cut the budget not, a little bit? It's not... But it is. I know that sounds funny, but a lot of it isn't. Like, there's some pretty cool stunts and things like that. Um, the suit, uh, I think it's the same one they used in the in the um, the movies. Okay. Um, so that all looks good, but when special effects come into it um, that aren't sort of practical, like aren't blowing things up, things get a bit bit shonky. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was an early, it was an early nineties or mid nineties. Yeah. So there's some computer generated stuff. That doesn't look good. And there's some very strange ideas. It's really up and down. Like, it's got some really cool things about it, and then they'll just bring in a character or a situation that's just off the wall, and it just doesn't fit. Uh, they also had a, uh, a a bloke jump into a fight through a ball of flame <laughs> on rollerblades last week. So if that doesn't date you in the 90s, I don't know what does. Yeah, hang on, isn't it set in the future? <laughs> Obviously, we're all on rollerblades in 10, 15 years' time. Yes, uh... But, yeah, look, I don't mind it so passable, far. Passable. It's passable. Uh, I probably wouldn't go back to it, but it's okay. I also uh, also managed to watch Wolf Cop. Wolf Cop. I've heard yeah. a lot of good things about Wolf Cop. I, I loved it. Yeah? I thought it was really cool. It's, it doesn't, didn't have a lot of money behind it, uh, but what it did have, it put to pretty good use. And let's face it, if you're watching a movie called Wolf Cop, You've got a, a couple of boxes that you want ticked. <laughs> They're not, you know, highbrow boxes. You're, you're, you're expecting certain things. Expecting certain <laughs> things and pretty much ticked them. You got them? Um, I got what I expected, really enjoyed it. Okay. So, um, if you're into that, that genre sort of stuff, get on I board. Have a look at it's that. It's over the top, off the wall, totally ridiculous. Um, hence, I loved it. And Martyrs. Now, Uncomfortable? <laughs> well, look, you and me are on, on similar sort of ground when it comes to these uh, new wave stuff. Uh, not a big fan of it. No. I just think 
I can understand the appeal to some people, but for me, I watch movies to be entertained and to have an enjoyable experience. Sometimes that you know can involve um, things that are a little bit unsavory in the storyline. Yeah. But for these these particular movies, just go a bit far for me. I don't particularly enjoy to watch them. Now, this where's one, this from? Is it? Is, it's European. It's French. Yeah. It's French. Okay. Um, look, this one was 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 all right. I I quite. Um, I quite liked the movie. It wasn't as gory as, as I was expecting. I'd more classify it as difficult to watch. Mm. Torture and the like? Is that the... Yeah, a little bit of that. Um, and the ending is something that, you know, you could talk about for years and years. It'll be debated forever unless the director or the writer or whatever comes out and Points says exactly what, what it means. Um, but, you know, it's that was more one of the more fun parts about it. When I, when I finished up, I jumped straight on the net to see what other people thought about the ending, yeah. and, and um, yeah, it was that that was a really interesting part of it, and sort of added a bit of weight to the movie. But overall, it didn't sort of change my mind on this new wave stuff. It's not really my thing. Well, we had this discussion with um, uh, my brother, didn't we, about mm. the fact that these things are challenging. They're challenging to watch. They're they're challenging your um, your thoughts on these type of films and and certain things. But to me, I, sometimes certainly with horror films. I don't know whether you want to be challenged or you want to just be entertained, and, and I think there's a fine line between entertainment and over the top. Yeah, um, and difficult to watch. Are you saying Jason Voorhees <clears throat> isn't challenging? No, no I'm, I'm saying that Jason Voorhees. You know, there's you know the line with Jason Voorhees. Yeah, no, I know exactly. It's what a bit you of mean. a it's a bit of a laugh. It's, it's a gag. It's not too yeah, serious. Exactly. Yeah. When you get into this other stuff that's difficult to watch and people are being tortured. I don't need to see that stuff to know that this goes on yeah, and that it's the unsavory stuff. Yep. And I just, for some, you know, call me a, a prude or whatever, I just don't feel comfortable watching those films. Yeah, I know. I agree. I don't, um, as I said, it's movies are entertainment for me. They're to sort of escape from that sort of view of the world yeah, for a while. Yeah. And, and you that, feel like you want to have a shower yeah. after watching these movies, you know. You need to scrub yourself down because yeah. it's so... Confronting, but I do understand the idea of challenging your views on certain things yeah, and challenging and that's, yourself. That's not making a judgment on anyone that does no. like or enjoy these movies. That's just our personal, not at all, personal, personal opinion. We just happen to be on the same in the same boat on that one. That they're not yeah. our sort of thing. But as I said, I, I took Martyrs for what it was, and I did sort of enjoy the experience. But um, overall, still that that genre is just. Off to the side for me. It's not going to. You're not going to find yourself hiring half a dozen. I won't be going headlong into you know um, inside or frontiers or anything yeah. like that. I'll just give them a give give them a berth for a little, wide berth for a little while. All right. Anything else on the on the table? No, no, that was it for, for me. I covered. I rewatched Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Uh, that's a, a really really good film. I Damn. think that's one of the best movies that we've seen in a while. Certainly well, horror it. movies. It's got. I've got some minor quibbles with it. Uh, a lot to do with you know sort of the reveal to a major plot point. But other than that, I find that it's really enjoyable. It's well acted. It's funny. It's it's interesting. And it's a really good time. When I saw Sinister, mm. it's a sort of a Conjuring type ghost sort of movie yep. with Ethan Hawke. Really good. No, uh, scare the pants off you. Yeah, yeah I was. I was and not too, really. comfortable <laughs> with it. It was very creepy. Yep. And I think that that's the mark of a good um, scary movie is to get you, get under your skin a bit. And I think it did that. And on the sort of semi-action front, I saw The Maze Runner. Now, I wouldn't class it as an action film. It's more of a, I don't know, teen sort of thriller. But it was good. It was it was a bit in the Hunger Games mould. 
Mm. And, it, and it's of that quality. It's not one of these lower rent ones that sort of lost its audience. Have you sort of hit a midlife crisis? You're trying no. to relieve your youth? Did you no, get, no, you, no. You, you got your skinny jeans on and went down to Hoyts? And... <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, I have a 17-year-old daughter, so, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, wade through some <laughs> shit, I guess you'd call it. But in, in luckily in this case, it wasn't shit. Okay. It was good. I think we'll take our first break and we'll come back and we'll get right into the main event, Stone Cold. Mr. Brian Bosworth requests the pleasure of your company, Stone Cold. Stone Cold, made in 1991, directed by Craig Baxley, who had done Action Jackson, Dark Angel, a couple of, uh, they were a couple of 80s and 90s action films, and also a really good Stephen King adaption for television called Storm of the Century. Mm. I think he did some... uh Second unit on Predator as well. Yeah, he did some stunt stuff on Predator. Heavily involved in stunts in one of my favourites, The Warriors. A little bit of trivia. Have you listened to the commentary track on Predator? (sighs) Director John McTiernan mentions quite up front that the worst part of Predator is the scene where they take down the, you know, the gorillas, take Mm -hmm. down the compound, because he wasn't involved in the direction of that. That was second unit, done by one Craig Baxley. Well, (laughs) look, McTiernan just didn't have an eye for talent. Yeah, that's right. It was produced by 10 people. <laughs> now, just let me break it down for you. There was four producers, three co-producers, two exec producers, and one associate producer. Now, one of the exec producers is Oscar winner Michael Douglas. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how Michael got involved, but he's involved, according to Internet Movie Database. Right. It was written by Walter Donegan. Now, Walter wrote a lot of stuff, 50s and 60s, Peyton Place, Gunslinger shows, things like that. The last movie he ever wrote, Stone Cold. He subsequently did. Go out on a high. You put the pieces together. <laughs> uh, the movie stars Brian Bosworth. Now, he, he stars as Joe Huff slash John Stone. Just to give people some idea, Brian Bosworth was an NFL player. A, a, a quite a quality a college player, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Went into the NFL in about 86 he just didn't quite cut it. I don't. I believe it. It, it had to do with injuries. Yeah, I think people people label him a, a bust, but there's also sort of some section of people that think he was actually a pretty good player, but his body was just not up to it. Yeah, his body was it was stuffed by the time he was out of the league in '89, I think. So he only really got two seasons. He his first film role was Stone Cold, 1991. Took a five year hiatus. <laughs> Again, joined the dots. I just, I just like to think once you sort of um, produce a piece of art like this, you sort of, you, you kind of let it settle. You can't top perfection. You can't that, top it. Yeah, you really need to sort of go back into your shell and 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 sort of think before you get into something better. You know exactly. Yeah. Well, um, he he took a while to get back into it. He's recently been seen in a series known as Redemption Road. I don't know if they're action pictures. Obviously, I haven't seen them. But they're the last sort of things he's been in. I haven't seen, uh, I've only seen snippets and stuff, but I think they might be sort of post-apocalyptic sort of fair. Religious films? I don't know. Mm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Lance Hendrickson stars as Chains Cooper. Of course, we all know Lance from um, The Terminator, Aliens, and he has 212 other credits. Mm. So basically Lance will act for food and or... Mortgage payments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lance seems to be whoring himself out to everyone. It doesn't even have to be a fine dinner. It could be a, 
it'll be frozen pizza. He'll work for a frozen pizza. Yeah. Look, Lance certainly puts in the work. Which is, it's funny because the guy's awesome. He is a good he actor. wants to be. <laughs> well, maybe also it could be when you've done 212 credits, you, you're very much in demand, even though you might not be getting in the best quality Look, shit. <laughs> let's, let's just clarify that. Look at his last 10 years of work. The guy's not in demand. Okay. He's just put it out there. As he demand from, from shit peddlers. <laughs> but he's certainly a bloke who doesn't struggle for work. Does no, he? no. Doesn't struggle for work. It also stars William Forsyth as Ice. Mm. He was in The Rock, Raising Arizona. And let's face it, he's criminally ignored role in Juice Bigelow as the cop who's excited by his own dick. I know you're a fan. <laughs> I wouldn't say a fan. You're a fan of that performance, son. <laughs> well, uh, it was one of the few things in the movie that I kind of laughed at. I giggled <laughs> many times. The budget on this film was fifteen to seventeen million. It's all approximates. It's there's nothing that nails it right down. Jeez, they office. must have really squeezed Douglas hard. Douglas was shilling this movie for months, mate. He was he was flogging it everywhere. Uh, box office was a paltry nine mil. Now, just to give you an idea, of the synopsis of this movie: John Joe Huff is a is a cop, plays by his own rules, of course. What, what other cop? <laughs> what other type of cop is there? He goes undercover in a bikey gang as John Stone to break up a drugs ring. And let's uh, throw it out there, that name was purely chosen because somebody came up with the title Stone Cold before they actually wrote the movie. <laughs> yeah, I've I got think. this pitch. What do you think about Stone Cold? <laughs> See, that's brilliant. We'll call him John Stone. John Stone. <laughs> yeah, love it. That works. What are your thoughts on Stone Cold, Jared? Well, um, it's probably quite lucky that you've got no respect for me at all <laughs> as it stands because... Once I give my score, you you would have lost any that you had anyway. Okay. Um, I'm bracing myself. It's a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, look, it's ridiculous. There's some awful acting. There's some <laughs> terrible – we'll go deep into it, but there's a lot of terrible. Yeah. But I just enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm going to go with a three out of five. Three out of five? Shit. <laughs> Is it nostalgia? Is this a nostalgia thing for you? Because I remember no. us watching this back in around the time it probably came out. Well, this is the thing. We like we're not trip, well, we're not NFL fans, but when we watched this movie, it was before the internet and that mm. sort of thing. So even if we were NFL fans, the only thing we were getting was Don Lane on the ABC, ah. or you had to be really hardcore and try and seek out copies of USA Today and things yeah. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean, we didn't know Brian Bosworth. But we knew this movie. Fight, and I wish I didn't know him. Sid said. But no, it's not nostalgic because I could barely remember it. Right, okay. And I don't actually remember enjoying it when we first watched <laughs> it. So I don't know whether I've suffered some sort of head trauma in between <laughs> then, but I really liked it. Look, I unfortunately am not as big a supporter on this film. Um, I agree that, yeah, it's kind of goofy and it's, it's kind of entertaining in parts, but there's a hell of a lot to dislike. Really, for me, it's a it's a it's a low low rent action movie of the ninety early nineties. It doesn't stand out in any way. So for me, it's a one and a half. So the thing about what you just said is, I can't disagree with much of it. 
but I still liked it. Well, that's again, we're talking about opinions here, and we're talking yeah, about, yeah, uh, you know, and that's why I was asking if it was more of a nostalgia thing. You know, a lot of the times you look back on films, you, you love them because they go back. You know, you, it's something you've watched. And I thought you were asking. I thought you were asking that to assess whether I was thinking clearly. I, I, I should have asked you how many fingers am I holding? Yeah, that's probably would have been a better question. Okay, what do we like? Well, I'll kick off because I don't think you've got anything on your list. I'll leave it over. <laughs> My list is bare. Can Give you me something, you. anything. Action scenes. We know Baxley was a stunt uh, man, stunt uh, coordinator, coordinator. I and I think his some of the scenes that he's he put together in this work pretty well. I'm looking at things like on the bike chasing Forsyth, yes. things like that. Yeah, those those scenes were pretty good. I thought they were they were done quite well and. Um, they were pretty exciting. I will agree that the action scenes are handled well, and that's that's probably because of Baxley's background. He 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 was somebody who came from the stunt world. Nineteen ninety one was not a a green screen period. You know, you were doing practical work, and I think the work is good um, from a stunt perspective and an action perspective. It does still have a little bit of adrenaline in it, a couple of those chases. For instance, the first scene of the movie. Mm. That's actually reasonably well done. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely um, ridiculous. But the the way it's sort of set up and the way it, it goes down with the, the three guys, Stone taking them all out, is credible Like in terms of the action work. It's funny that you mentioned that mm. one as one of the good action scenes because that was actually one of the ones where I, I liked it, but it was because I was laughing so hard <laughs> at it. What were um, you laughing about? Because well, I was laughing through the rest of it. I must have stopped during that bit. Oh, I was laughing that, you know, that the manner at which he sort of takes out the people in the supermarket. <laughs> Look, there was some parts of it that were good. Like I really enjoyed when they sort of panned across the aisles mm. and the guy sort of comes out of the aisle and, and Bosworth's there and sort of takes him out. Some of that was really well done. Then he takes a bloke out with a with some oil. Puts the oil on the floor and the bloke slips <clears> on it and is projected across the, the supermarket like he's been shot out of a cannon. <laughs> and he lands in a big thing of cans. He lands with right? his legs in the air, head head facing towards the ground, obviously, into a big stack of cans, <laughs> and it's glorious. It is. It is good. And then what I love about it too is the ham-fisted um, exposition where some random copper walks in and he goes, huff. Played by your own rules against <laughs> bullshit like that. And he's like, yeah, clean up on aisle five or whatever. Oh, my God. You know, he throws in a alleged one-liner, which is can only be described as really poor. What you've just described is worth a two out of five. I'm sorry. <laughs> on its own. It's I a two out of five. Two out. I cannot. Oh, I cannot do it. Look, fashion. 91. Almost like a, a no-man's land for fashion. We were coming out of the 80s. We were coming into the 90s. Quite frankly, the first time we ever see Stone walk into that convenience store, he's dressed in some kind of cowboy boots, ripped tight jeans, a dry as a bone made out of alligators mm. or something. Look, I saw that and I thought I was watching Monday Night Raw or something. He's <laughs> a sort of wrestler. Yeah, he strolled in and then there was uh, in the crew that he takes out, which might I add, can we just bring it up now? These guys are knocking over a supermarket with. They look like some sort of well-oiled um, <laughs> criminal machine, and they're they're running in with shotguns and all this sort of stuff. But they're robbing a supermarket, now, and now it's I a pretty know, small one, I, I think. I know but, about you, Jared, but you're knocking off a supermarket for what? 
couple of hundred. Yeah, probably. And you're, you're gonna, not hunting you, out some guy in the aisle. You're splitting that. You're from what I can it. remember, it's three or four blokes. You're splitting that a few That's ways. Fifty bucks. <laughs> but anyway, in the gang, we have one bloke that I swore was um, Razor Ramon. <laughs> Another guy that looked identical to Dog the Bounty Hunter. Ah, so he was a plant. Well, you, can, you can tell. <laughs> He's the sort of, you can see the sort of fashions that are coming out. Yeah, No Man's Land was the best way to describe it because it's like they took the ridiculous fashions that were sort of creeping out of the eighties, and then just as I said, slapped a WWE. Yeah, spin on it. Spin it's on. Like, it. It's like the costume designer, the costumes that Bosworth ends up getting around in the entire movie, are basically an orgy between an alligator, a mullet, 1984. And Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's this real unappealing setup. It's really poor. Um, and he also... Um, I believe does he rock out in his crackers? Yeah, I was going to say, we get we get treated to something that... And the, it's a step off Borat. They're riding that high. <laughs> is he wearing a thong or is he just wearing a a pair of like speedos? I must say, I, when he when he walked out, I looked at the jocks and I thought, is he wearing them backwards? Are they going backwards? <laughs> <laughs> He's of course got a lady in the bedroom. Oh, of course. Him. I mean she was impregnated before he even well, near her. He plays his... he plays by his own rules. How could she resist? <laughs> it's just yeah, the fashions they are alike just because they're kind of it's a weird mixture, and it kind of makes you smile a few times oh. when you see them. You sort of, as I said, when he first walks into that place, you just—I couldn't—I started laughing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, too. I couldn't help it. They—I'd say it was a like though. It was one of the big factors in you know, pushing this towards the so bad it's good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of it, it teeters on that edge there. The villains. Probably the other thing that I kind of liked about it. Mm. Hendrickson and Forsyth are both good actors, good working. You know, Hendrickson will work for anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the kind of guys that, that can give you a character part that's decent. Yep. And they know, you can just tell that they know what sort of movie this is. Yeah. And they just tee off. They're chewing scenery and doing stupid things. Yeah. But it works because you've got to have these kind of scumbags dislike scumbags and they play up to it really well. Those two in particular were awesome. Yeah. You mentioned Donald Pleasance last week hamming it up. This is hamming it up. These blokes were oh. hamming it up and it was awesome. The As you about- said, they're chewing the scenery. They're just chewing everything. Yeah. They are chewing it, spitting it out and keep going. The thing about the Pleasance thing that I was trying to point out was there's occasional just glimpses of ham. In presence, no. in a in a in a real quality piece of work and a quality a decent acting performance, these guys know this isn't quality. Yeah. This isn't Shakespeare. Let's just rip into it. You can tell that these two are completely <laughs> aware of what they're getting into and are just just grabbing it with both hands. That's so, right. Mortgage payments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need another one. What are we going to do? Stone Cold's on the offer. Of course, I'll take it. That's where the likes really end for me. Can you well, can you dig any deeper in your end? No, no. I'm just uh, we'll, we'll go into the dislikes because, quite frankly, a couple of the things that you've listed here are likes for me. So okay, we'll, we'll discuss <laughs> that. Get that. Other than the villains, the rest of the acting is pretty bad. Yeah, fair to Bosworth say. Bosworth is a very, very big problem with the film for me. Um, he he doesn't have the charisma. 
you know, not like an Arnie who just oozes charisma that you can get away with being a shit actor. Bosworth's not able to get away with it. He can't get away with it. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna try and tip a thing. It's my turn on the stand. I'm gonna get up and, and put up my defensive Bosworth. You're gonna fight for Bosworth. The guy was not good in this movie, but there's just parts of it. Where the defense I, rests. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's parts of it where I feel that he was, it was a little bit of charisma, and you did see a little bit of what made the guy popular, I guess, um, or marketable. I don't know whether popular might be the right word because I know a lot of people hated his guts, but <laughs> I think he he had something. There was parts of it where I'm like, he's obviously got the physique to pull it off. He's got this sort of air about him where he comes across as an arrogant tosser and, you know, a lot of these action stars do when yeah. required. Yes. And I think there was signs there. I kind of wish he had stayed in a few of these movies because – I think he might have turned out all right. Yeah, look, I certainly agree that physically the guy is perfectly suited to this type of movie. And he, whenever there's action on show, he's he's comfortable. Yes, there's probably a glimpse or two where you just feel, yeah, he might slip out of it. But he doesn't quite get out of there. And really, having not seen the rest of his catalogue, we don't know how he, whether he improved or whether, you know, he got better as an actor or whatever. <laughs> Um, but he just lacks the charisma for me. It just doesn't quite work. It's it's kind of another one of these kind of oh geez, you know this guy could be a bums on seats guy. You know he he'll he's popular or whatever. And I don't I don't know whether he really was. Yeah, they took he had he had something there. They they must have uh, felt that he was worth the risk. Mm. Um, and we sort of we've read a little bit about yeah. things that that happened that might have. Worked in his favour, like um, how his agent stopped taking requests for interviews from sporting outlets and because uh, he wanted to devise this persona of he's a celebrity, not a, not a sportsman. Mm. And it worked. Something went right. Yeah. But there might have been some other angles with, that didn't quite work for him, like, say, knocking back parts in Tango and Cash because this persona wouldn't allow him to be – to have his ass kicked by Sylvester Stallone, mm. I think maybe he could have worked as a heavy or, or something like that. Well, he's certainly he, got the physical look of, 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 a, of a heavy. He's I got think a, he did in the end. Like that's, that might be the direction that he headed. I'm pretty sure that's what he ended up in the longest yard. Yeah, yeah he's one of the guards. and Yeah, so maybe he could have. footballing skills come into it, but still it was a heavy sort of role. It might have suited him better, like the right-hand man of, a, of the lead heavy or something like that. I could see him excelling in that sort of, that sort of stuff. And, but and, for me, it was probably – it's not necessarily that he was really good in this movie because he wasn't. I'm not going <laughs> I'm never going to say that, but there were parts where I felt I could get on board the the Bosworth train, shall we say? It's funny the train only made one stop. The train went it made one Passages stop, and then, uh, then it was expressed to, to hell. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing about that not taking the heavy role, it seems weird in the in the context of what his persona was being built up with over the football period. Yeah, well, he was seen as a bit of a being, dickhead. You know, he was supposed being to villain. be the villain. And there was and there was that story. I know we both watched that ESPN thirty for thirty, Brian yeah. and the Boz, where he he basically put out that it was two separate people and that the Boz was him playing a role, sort of. I don't feel it was. I think that he was a bit of a dickhead back then. <laughs> and then um, you know the things that happened, like his football career not turning out, might have given him a bit of perspective to yes. where he now says. 
oh, that was just a, a, was a my part I was playing. Ego, you know? But the one word that constantly comes out about Bosworth is calculated. Yeah. He wasn't a meathead dickhead that he sort of came across as sometimes. Like the story about, I think it was the Denver Broncos when he trash-talked John Elway and then everyone rocked up in T-shirts about, oh, I can't Band remember the what it said. Ban the balls or bash the balls or yeah. something like that. And it turned out he was selling the T-shirts. His company was selling yeah. the T-shirts. Like, so he was not stupid. And from what I've read, he, he graduated a year ahead at uni. Like he, he finished his degree and everything. Yeah, like and he played him and, his, him and his agent gamed the system to get to a team that he uh, – yeah. well, not the team that he wanted to, to be at in the end, but a preferable team. Yeah. And got a got a great contract for the for the time period. I so think at the time it was one of the richest contracts. Yeah, I in think history. it might have been the richest contract at one stage. Look, the man's not stupid, and this is how he ended up in a movie like this. And they're not knocking this sort of movie back, eh? If someone's if Michael Douglas is going to roll up on your doorstep and say, "We've got fifteen to twenty million here to put you in an action film," are you interested? Yeah, I think the answer is going to be yes to anyone in in that position. Getting back to the actors. The, the the female in this movie is a non-event. You know, mm. the, the kind of the love interest or whatever you want to call her, she's barely in it. Um, it kind of, I don't even, I'm not even sure if it was really a love interest part or a romance part or whatever. Then we've also got possibly two of the worst bits of acting in the entire movie happen in one scene. Mm. When they're in that dive bar, there's some guy called... Goose or Scooch or something. Yeah, the little weasel. Yeah, Weasley guy. He's kind of a minor character. He gets a couple of little pieces in later on, um, but he's not a a central guy. (laughs) There's a scene where the camera's on Bosworth and Hendrickson. I think it might be Forsyth. Or Forsyth, Forsyth. sort of squaring off, and the camera's on them in a medium sort of shot. And in the background, just in the middle of the pair of them, is old mate Goose or whatever. And he's... Is he having a fit or a, he's got going? <laughs> I was watching it thinking, uh, I thought the drugs were supposed to be fixing it. It looked like he was on something because yeah. he was twitching and he's winking. Twitching. And, I don't know what happened. Yeah, he's really he's sort of going off in the middle and, and it's kind of like, it's almost like, did the director say, look, just twitch and carry on? He kind of looks like he's well and truly... Out of it, he's not in the in the scene the right possible way. Maybe the director just said, you know, just give me something, ad lib. Yeah, ad lib. He's like, this is my chance. I'm going to twitch. <laughs> and I would have thought Baxley would have gone, shit, let's have another take. Stop twitching. <laughs> but the funny thing is we reverse that angle. So we look from the opposite direction at exactly the same two guys, but we're looking away from twitchy. Mm. And there's a band in the background. They're like a Motley Crue sort of poisoned-looking mob. And the lead singer, he's obviously assumed this is my chance. He's humping the microphone in the background. It, well, I can't remember. It's kind of off-putting. I could be very wrong here, but um, I thought the music stopped. Yeah. I can't remember whether it had or not. <laughs> no, I Maybe think... I was just mesmerised by, by the gyration. Of I the think the music's still playing. But this guy is really into it. He's locked the hips up. And he's going for it. And, yeah, it's just like somebody said, you're on camera, buddy. <laughs> Woohoo! I better I'm get into it. Something. Another dislike, the plot's pretty thin. Even by action movie standards, fairly thin sort of plot. I know you're not looking for complex no. in these type of films, but it's even even then it's a little bit sort of, 
man, nothing much. It's standard fare. Yeah, it's standard fees. He's he's a cop that plays by his own rules, as we've said about 17 times now. As several characters throughout the movie will repeat to us that he he plays by his own rules. And he gets sort of um, uh, gets sort of thrown into the undercover scene, trying to infiltrate a. Some sort of criminal organisation. It's pretty pretty run of the mill. It's like those magnets you get where you put a piece of a sentence up and you make a whole sentence yeah. out of the magnets. <clears throat> they just did this with action movie templates. Oh, yeah. okay. So we got, you know, the, the cop. Oh, we've got a, a criminal organisation undercover. We'll Bikies? that magnet in there. Bikies, yeah, Bikies, brilliant. So it's just... It's, Bikies are hot right now. That's what I, that's just, just, what I said. Just the, bits and pieces the of, of your standard, standard action yeah, movie Yeah, and stuff. it's pretty thin. Um, it, so it doesn't really test the the boundaries of anything sort of complex, I guess, or well-written, mm. um, which probably stems from the fact that the writer was somebody who wasn't really an action. Well, according to you, he was on his deathbed. No, so. he wasn't on his deathbed, <laughs> but he, he was after he wrote this. Well, it was close to death. Maybe it was a weekend at Burning situation. <laughs> Maybe he died after he wrote the title and then somebody uh, just sort of... Ghost wrote it? <laughs> ghost wrote Propped him up in his chair for a while. Well, Boz, Boz and Co. They would have tailored it to Boz's per se. It had to be Bozified. Yeah, <laughs> it did have to be Bozified. Bozified. Now, well, my favourite piece of of Bozifying was, um, uh, I believe, in the script there was a scene where a bloke gets a corn cob jabbed up his clacker, <laughs> and it got cut. Really? Because, yeah. <laughs> yes. Boz decided he's more of a fan of the corn cobs to be eaten, not to be rammed up dates. Boz couldn't be associated with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, know. good on Boz, taking a stand with that kind of puerile shit. <laughs> Come on, let's face yeah, it. That's that American was, Pie type of stuff. If that was in the movie, it would have just, that's an extra star there. <laughs> You're giving it four stars? Guaranteed, four for stars. a corn cob up the coin? Come well, on. I read the sentence and I was in tears laughing. Oh. I thought it was mis it was mis it was um, like uh, badly wrongly written or something when I read that bit. As I read in a uh, Grantland article about the Boz, the fella said, you know, after seeing this movie and, and hearing of that deleted scene, we can all agree that th- these two things should have been put together. <laughs> Bosworth and corn cubs up bums. <laughs> what a pairing. <laughs> um, uh, this I know this is one of your favourites, and I'm not against things blowing up. <laughs> I'm not against things blowing up at all. My problem with this is everything blows up. <laughs> well, everything. This this is why it's in my life. You know, in, not only the laws of physics in in Baxley's world a little bit off with you know people <laughs> slipping in oil and Joey three flying through the air about twenty meters. Solar style. But if you are driving a car. Don't go over 15 Ks because if you bump into something, you will blow up. It's like speed. And blow up hard. <laughs> yeah. Not only just blow up, everything just gets, the car just gets yeah, disintegrated. Yeah. Well, you it's don't, not over. Don't, if you have a bingle, they're going to need your dental records <laughs> to identify you, basically. In the, in the world of Baxley. Everything blows up. Everything. But in the first, I think we've got an exploding car, an exploding motorbike. I don't know if there was something else. The priest got shot in the first 10 minutes as well. Oh, no, exploding boat. Scene. Exploding, exploding boat. boat. Yeah, yeah, we, had, we, had, we had three massive explosions, and I'm talking, <laughs> we're talking sort of nuclear. Things <laughs> explode, there's a mushroom cloud coming up. You know, it's it's overkill. Oh, it's it's brilliant. It's commonly known as overkill. It's brilliant. Backseat front. Absolutely brilliant. 
it's also one of those movies that's probably not very well paced. My my favourite one, just before you go on to the pacing, my favourite one was William Forsyth when he's on the motorbike and he hits the car and him and the car and the bike, everything blows up. The entire highway just explodes. And then just to sort of, you know, just in case that he hadn't been burned badly enough, when they have his funeral... They prop him up on a bike and set him alight. Now, talk about weak-headed birdies. Look, is that actually Forsyth? <laughs> or is that like a dummy or something? Because it just... Uh. It's the only way to go out in, in Baxley's world. How should, we, how, how should this guy die? Should we Should we have a proper funeral? No, no. I also like that Forsyth... Well, he blows up, as we said... But then still has time Bosworth, to the fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> Bosworth rolls over and he's there. He's he's still intact. A couple of couple of scratches and a little bit of blood. And he's. <laughs> I think you'd be a little bit rougher than just a slight cough, yeah, you know. Well, in the backseat world, you've basically been blown to bloody into the solar system. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know how he's still on the ground mumbling about. Fuck I'll you, get copper. you or something. The pacing, as I getting back to the another one of the problems with the film. The pacing's kind of off. We started at a real, real clip, you know. We're blowing things up, and and Bosworth showing his his strength and his you know his macho ness with the ladies and all that stuff in the first probably what fifteen minutes. Then it kind of gets into a bit of a grind and a bit of a bog for probably about almost an hour, with little sort of short bursts of adrenaline, and then it picks up again in that last fifteen. When we get helicopters and shootout and all that sort of stuff, and and when the movies that the the thing about these type of action movies that are a little bit dumb and a little bit underdeveloped, you need adrenaline and explosions and all that to keep the the audience interested. And the movie drops some of that in the middle, and I don't know if it ever really picks this momentum back up. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not going to blame the the pacing for this one. I, I sort of disagree a little bit. I think it's the script. Oh yeah, the script is it's shit. It's just There's sort no of. It. It's. Uh, I mean, you hire a bloke whose specialty is blowing everything up, and you um, don't let him loose. But you. Tr- but well, they let him loose. But then you sort of try and, you know, you just you got to throw in the the love story, of course. But I think they they put a little bit too much into that. It should just be. And you know what? Straight down the line. There's no room for a love story in this movie. There's no room for a romance subplot. There's well, there that. has to be. It's an eighties action movie. He's got to. He's got to impress the ladies. But it could. But have it's ninety one. Could have been really simple. No, but Joe Huff. Joe Huff's like James Bond. He's got a lady in every port. He's you know he doesn't need to have a a relationship. I just don't know whether there was room for that. You're right. No, look, the it was scripting in, wasn't. It was quite in. Uh, she was part of the gang thing, and, and there was a plot point involving color, blah, her. Blah blah blah. We didn't really care. But I think yeah, you're right in that it sort of spent a bit too much on her. But I think, as I said, that was I think that was the writing more than anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. The writing. Probably, you're probably right. It did sort of set the pacing off a little bit. But I feel the problem started with the writing there. Yeah. It meanders a little in the middle. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just break into a bit of a rant here. The budget for this movie at between fifteen and seventeen million dollars. We're talking about the late night, the early nineties. The late 80s action films of the quality of Predator, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Beverly Hills Cop, they're all roughly around the 20 to $25 million mark, right? Or around that number. RoboCop is another one. Now, yes, not all of them maybe had established stars at the time, but they were they were quality bits of work written and everything when they were written were, were very good. I just don't know if 
15 to 17 million is really worth putting on to a guy like Bosworth. I mean, we touched on it briefly that maybe he had something to offer, but what sort of what pushes a studio to offer that sort of money to an untested guy who was an ex-footballer? Hmm, look, I sort of I can understand where you're coming from, but I think it, was, it probably wasn't a bad gamble. It didn't pay off for them, but as we as we sort of talked about a little bit, it's probably a testament to how well Bosworth created his little his little world of his. Yeah, and and put himself out there. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't can't say <clears throat> that it was a good decision. No, but I also can see where they were coming from, and I think that banking on someone like an athlete is better than banking on an un, unknown person in that role. I mean, if... if and I guess you're getting your physicality and you're getting some yeah. kind of built-in audience, you're maybe. You're getting something there. It's already there. Um, that, the physicality is a big part of it. It's that people needed to buy that this guy was an ass kicker. So that's one thing. But I agree, it's sort of maybe $10 million or something like that might have been the go. I reckon it probably they budgeted at about two, and then Baxley got hold of it and started blowing everything up. up. And, <laughs> and everyone went, "Holy shit! This is another ten million. What's this guy doing?" But yeah, I, I kind of see it as a testament to how the Boz created created what his he created himself. But its failure probably says, "Hey, there was a couple of couple of poor decisions along the way. Mm. Maybe the heavy role was for him because people hated him anyway." But the so thing was about the heavy role is with established stars. Yeah, well, Stallone that's what I mean. and Kurt Russell. You market you knew that. there was some bank, there was some box office bank there at the very least. Yeah, and you market that as Stallone v Boz, and you know who's who's the good guy, who's the bad yeah. guy. Maybe that would have, maybe that was the way to people go. People might turn up to see Stallone kick the shit out of him. You know, yeah. like that's to me that was a poor choice. That's actually an agent, his agent or him and Boz probably cooked this up, and it was a mistake. His agent seemed to seemed to maybe think that he was was more than he was. Yeah. And I think to myself, he believed his own hype. Your mate. first movie is Tango and Cash makes sixty to seventy million. Not a bad start. Yeah, and you look at somebody like The Rock. Yeah, that's the that's the path he went. Yeah, he, he was um, in things like The Scorpion King, mm. which initially was was a villain role. Yeah, and yeah, he started off in one of the Mummy films as the villain. Didn't have to turn up for long because they just no, they replaced just him with that CGI <laughs> rubbish. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to think of, and in a way, I just don't know where this action movie was sort of coming from. In that, in '89 or '88, we had Die Hard, which brought out the everyman hero, and then we come two years later, and we've got this indestructible Schwarzenegger type again. It just kind of seemed like it was going in the opposite direction. Here was a guy um, putting together a persona, and it would work to get him a box. A, a starring role in a movie at a fair amount of budgetary money didn't mm. work out, but reasonable choice. So I can guess I can un- slightly understand it. Now, the bikey gang. Mm. Surely not Hell's Angels approved. No, look, I, I've <laughs> never been in a bikey gang, obviously, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> no. even though they're, they're perceived as a little bit wild, I'm pretty sure they don't get up, up to the sort of activity that these blokes are getting up to. I mean, <laughs> that we, first scene where we meet the gang, what's going on? I don't know. I, again, I just burst out laughing when the the two blokes are getting dragged along behind <laughs> the bikes. 
and you know holding on and seeing how long they can actually hang on for for a bit of a laugh, no, no, and a bit of entertainment. We've got that scene where Bosworth and and Ice ride side by side and eyeball each other, you know, down this massive long road. We've got guys shooting beer cans off each other's heads, mm. and then I believe spraying bullets. Whipping out Uzi, well, spraying yeah, bullets by uh, cars. Not Henryson, Forsyth whips out an Uzi, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the car blew up. Like, like, <laughs> like the car behind the guy with the with the um, can of beer on his head. Then we've got obviously our one of our favourite bits of testosterone testosterone fueled stupidity. Bosworth and some other big meathead belting each other in a sand trap, or is it a yeah. mud pit? I could look. I could see a bit of that sort of bare knuckle action or something like that. <laughs> In the in the real world, but I don't know if they sort of build sandbag rings and do it on the beach and <laughs> and that sort of thing. They seem to have set up like a a, a bikey bikey uh, yeah, it was some sort of bikey haven with every chick's a Playboy bunny who showers in the nick with no no seeming no shower curtains or anything. No, I mean, where's the OHS? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, as we like to call that scene, summer nats. <laughs> but, yeah, it, <laughs> I think yeah, you, this was, I liked that. <laughs> it was so, again, it was so over the top that I, I was laughing at it. I think you might have described it as the Bohe Olympics yeah, or Yeah, I don't know. Something what, like well, that. They, they had some sort of game. Yeah, there was all this competitive action. There was racing. There was all the crowds <laughs> cheering it on. It looked like some sort of. Olympic sort of setup. I don't know. I don't know whether whether the, it's not sanctioned by the. I was going to say. I don't know whether the same sanctions or standards were applied. Or. Uh, now, so we, we, we're saying that the Bahi Yang was probably not Hell's Angels approved. And it was no, pretty, and I think the same might apply for the actual look of Hendrickson. Yeah, even though he chews the scenery up massively, and he does the right thing by this movie, and that is give it sort of that. Over the top flavour as a villain, he sort of comes across as more of a beatnik than a badass. You know, like he's he's got these wispy facial hair and he's wearing bandanas and yeah. And there was there was uh, <clears throat> short the little tops. And there was the little round blue glasses. At it was one like point John too. Lennon. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm going beatnik category. Yeah, yeah. Except he's the type of guy banging on the bongo, yeah. weed. It's sort of weird beatnik just with leather strides on. <laughs> Chaps, Chaps. Well, there was, no, there was one point where he was um, he pinched Axl Rose's wardrobe, but he had the sort of the mesh singlet and the leather chaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah the mesh singlet cut off at the at the bloody just under the the nipple. He looked like a, he looked just ridiculous. Yeah, I'd say he sort of that's probably the one negative to the villain persona is that the the get up he's given doesn't make him kind of intimidating. Hendrickson and Forsyth, as good an actor actors as they are, and the the fact that they're pushing those limits and really getting it out there, they are just dwarfed by yeah. What's he? There's no intimidation that, at all. That is the hardest sell. Is that Bosworth is a massive human being and was in sort of peak physical condition at that point, and Lance Hendrickson looks about five foot two and he's skinny. Yeah, and like. He's supposed to be the leader of the gang, and they surround him. Some of the other, some of the other bikies are just well. The big guy in the men. in the um the testosterone fueled punch up. Yeah, that, on. that's one that does play play uh, in uh, play against it. Is yeah. that even with even understanding that brawn's not everything, and that brains usually win out in in the, a lot of these situations. 
you still can't really buy Henriksen as leading that, that pack of blokes. Yeah. And even though he tries to froth at the mouth and give you the threats and, you know, they shoot a few blokes and what have you. Maybe he was a really good bongo player. Maybe. And they thought this guy's so good he can be in charge. Forsyth's more intimidating. Yeah, because he he's is. got that kind of growly way about him. And he's not uh he's not he's in right. any sort of supreme physical state, but he's kind of got the look down. He's got a bit of a gut, like a mm. beer swilling gut. So I reckon, yeah, he he probably looked more the part. Plus, he's supposed to be the loose cannon. Mm. The guy that could do just about it. He, he he could just go off. Yep. And and that works for Forsyth. It's the kind of thing that he can do really well. Yep. And he does well in this movie. Mm. I think that's pretty much covered it. Well, can I just give a quick shout-out to possibly my favourite gang character in any movie? Or maybe I'll just narrow it down to a moment of intimidation by this bloke. Remember when Boz walks into the clubhouse and that one guy kind of, I can't remember what he says, but he's like, hey, check this out or something like that, and he flings a knife into a picture of a, a bum? <laughs> I'm in just, front of Boz, in isn't front it, of to that. sort of say, hey, I mean, look, watch yourself. Look, <laughs> your knife skills are impressive, but this guy's been sitting in the clubhouse. He must have had that picture hanging up for quite some time. He's had to go and find a picture of a bum for that yeah. little moment of intimidation to work and yeah. hang it up on the get, wall. Get me a bum picture. This guy's coming in. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's hung that up two years ago and uh-huh. sat in the corner with his knife sort of yeah, just waiting. waiting. Oh, look, new guy, quick. <laughs> And let's face it, the bit with Bosworth beating that guy in the, I don't know, Thunderdome, whatever it was called. Let's be honest, he would be, he would have intimidated everybody because basically he's just beating up the biggest guy they've got. Yeah. He's just tagged this guy. The rest of them are probably going, shit, don't go near him. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for the actual dynamic between hero and villain. It kind of just doesn't pay off anywhere. Is there anything else you'd like to... Would you like to try and strengthen your case? In any no, way? no. I feel, look, I know I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's not, not a great movie, but I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. A lot of explosions, a lot of silliness, basically. Your bread and butter. My bread and butter, exactly. Um, and an extra in the gang house that throws a knife at a picture of a bum. How can you go wrong? <laughs> Boom. Put that down in your review. Mm. All right, we'll, we'll go to a, a little uh, break and then we'll come back and uh, with our discussion topic. But nobody expects him to be pleasant. Put up the wrong practice, buddy! Our discussion topic for this episode feeds into the fact that Brian Bosworth was an athlete and we're basically going to go into athletes as actors. Bosworth certainly wasn't the first and he certainly won't be the last who's ever been a, a, a quality athlete who became a movie star or, or at least got into film. And when I say athletes, I'm going to include guys like wrestlers and um, bodybuilders and martial artists and all that type of thing. You know, there's been, there's been some success stories in amongst some of them. Some of them have had very good careers. Uh, Schwarzenegger, The Rock, you know, these guys are have made very, very good careers as being athletes and become then becoming actors. We've had a few duds, Bosworth, Dennis Rodman, Howie Long. You know, these guys, some people are probably going, who? These guys didn't quite catch on. I guess, is it right time, right place? Is it 
luxury of the sort of movie you ended up getting into? Is it just you've got the charisma, you've got something that people want as an actor? I think it's, for me, it's probably just the bankability, the, the name. So somebody knows your name mm. already. Seemingly producers think there's this inbuilt audience that's just automatically going to go and watch your, watch your movie. I guess I can understand that with wrestlers, mm. for instance. Less so for martial artists and less so for footballers and the like because wrestling is a major, in, it's a big industry. Well, I'll pull you up there. Martial artists, I think, are in the same category as wrestlers. There's a martial arts genre there that yeah. you know, people like to watch these movies. Okay, it's probably a bit smaller than it once yeah. was, but there's still a martial arts genre, and these guys have the skills to do that. So I can understand that. I didn't even think about martial artists when you brought this up. I just thought about them as actors rather than athletes. Hmm. And, you know, once you brought it up to me, I sort of realized how stupid that was that, that these guys are actually legit but I guess there's athletes. a wow factor with those guys too because yeah. they're doing – they're doing legitimate things. Mm. They're actually doing what they, on film, they're doing things that most of us are going, wow, yeah. you know. So you've sort of cut them out a little bit. I reckon they're in, in with that category of wrestlers. Wrestlers mm. even more so because they've got that physicality that's, that is part of action movies. <clears throat> but there's also that acting side to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. There is, wrestling is a large part acting. So, when they get on the mic and they talk about, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of bullshit. It's transferable skills. Though. Although there wasn't transferable skills for the Ultimate Warrior, say. No. I used but, to get on there rambling about all sorts of Yeah, things. but I, I think, uh, I don't think he ever got a crack at the movie, so that was probably. I wonder if his name was ever bandied around started, in, in pitch meetings ever. Yeah, they might have They might have bandied it around and then they probably put on his promo about hijacking Hulk Hogan's plane and crashing it and uh, things like that. So, and then thought, no, no, <laughs> he doesn't. His skills do <laughs> yeah, not Yeah, he doesn't really have it. Hulk Hogan, for instance. Well, Hulk Hogan, he's one that, uh, for me, didn't really transfer. He had his, he had his niche sort of roles that he fit. Thunderlips, that was about it. <laughs> I thought I always thought that his problem was the persona of Hulk Hogan, the Hulkamaniacs and all that crap about 22-inch pythons yeah. and all that just wasn't going to cut it. It was so – he was like a massive, like, over-the-top cartoon character yeah. that then could, you wouldn't be able to then transfer that to – Proper films. Yeah. You can see why wrestling has been fertile ground, though, for this. No, for sure. Tra- transferring into acting. Um, Roddy Piper, you know, he didn't get a big crack in the movies, but he always had a talent on the mic. Yeah. Um, anyone that watched The Rock, uh, I'm not I'm not as big into wrestling as I once was. The mm. sort of 80s and 90s, I was, I was right into it, right up until the sort of Attitude Era, early 2000s, and then I dropped off it. But anyone that saw The Rock in wrestling could see that he just oozed this personality that would work. And um, eventually it has. Uh, for me, The Rock's, Rock's right up there. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's up there with the Schwarzeneggers, but he's actually probably a better actor. Yeah, I think He's he a is. better actor than Schwarzenegger. If you want to give The Rock a role that might require some dramatic work or whatever, so Pain and Gain, for instance, or uh, Snitch, he can do that. He can do a little bit of that, yeah. Schwarzenegger was a... Was a a big charisma guy. With it, he oozed the charisma that, that, that you bought him. He always winked at the audience. Mm. So you kind of loved that and you loved the one-liners and everything. But, for instance, Schwarzenegger, one of his comeback movies was Sabotage. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's kind of like, yeah, and then there were none 
um, type of thing where a group of DEA agents nick some money and then when they go to get it, it's gone and they all start being picked off one by one. Yep. And the role he's playing is a conflicted guy who you're not sure whether he took the money, you don't know whether you can trust him. Is he a hero or not? Is he a villain? And the guy just does not have the range. That's a that's a movie for a good actor like a Denzel or somebody who can sell you that maybe there's something a little bit dicey about this guy, but we like him. Does Denzel, count? Does Denzel count as uh, actors and athletes? He you know, held his own in one-on-one with Ray Allen. He yeah, got game. I know, that's because Ray Allen was bombing from the, the corner. Denzel can do anything. Yeah, Denzel, Denzel doesn't fit quite there. But, you know, look at Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's probably another one that the charisma was there. He, I don't think he was ever the greatest actor. I haven't seen a lot of his work, to be no, honest. No, he wasn't a great actor, um, but he was doing things at that point that were just ridiculous on mm. film. Yeah. And I actually saw, again, this This is kind of what I mentioned before about how I never really considered the martial artists. Um, I was at a convention and I can't remember his name. Jim, what's his name? He was Black Belt Jones and he, he was the, um, the guy <laughs> in, he was the guy in Enter the Dragon, <laughs> the, the, the um, African-American dude yeah. in Enter the Dragon. And he was a legit Yellow belt fighter. Jones. He was a legit fighter. Yeah. He was a world champion. Mm-hmm. And he spoke about working with Bruce Lee, and he was probably giving the fans a little bit. Well, I say fans; there was about five of us there. But um, Black Belt Jones doesn't he pull didn't a crowd. Get a big crowd anymore. <laughs> but he was look—he was a really, really cool guy, and he—he he probably gave a little bit of what people wanted to hear. Spoke a lot about Bruce Lee. Yeah. But he also went uh, went out and said, and I believed it when when he said it. He he said pound for pound, the best he ever saw was Bruce Lee. Mm. Um, he said he didn't sort of seem as much in the competitive. Stakes, but he knew what a he knew what a fighter was. He was a world champion um, on his own, and he reckons Bruce Lee had him, yeah, um, and was the best that he saw. So I never really really considered it until those sort of things came into it, and we spoke a little bit about it. But yeah, that that martial arts stuff, Bruce Lee uh, definitely holds holds a high high place in this sort of conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think his was his was as much the charisma as it was the the pure physical ability. Yeah. He was a, a something different, something special, I guess. You get then you sort of go down into a little bit. So the martial artist kind of you had Chuck Norris who again it was as wooden as they come. <laughs> he was. That's that's very Mate, generous. if you put a fire anywhere near if if Baxley was directing any of Norris's films, something blows up. Chuck catches fire. No, no, that's. I reckon when they were lighting scenes, they just 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 away take the light from down him a little bit because <laughs> if Chuck gets anywhere near it, he's, he's a lot. And that's not you know, Chuck was not a great actor. Um, he he was a, he was a very good he was a good martial artist. He seemed to be in a lot of shoot 'em up films though. You know, you're missing in actions where a lot of gunning people down and the like. And I again, I haven't seen a lot of the Norris catalogue. I don't really know what some of his movies were actually that much like. I know a couple of the missing in actions. But, yeah, he didn't really come across as an actor. No. Problem problem was, too, that, but for a while there he was bankable, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Shit. What's going on in the 80s? I don't think it was a long Bloody while. hell. But then you go down to the Van Dams, you go down to the Seagulls, you know, None of them, neither of them, you would consider good actors. Yeah. So, what do you feel? Do you think it's more the physicality or the the uh, um, personality and charisma that's going to get you? I, I think. Places? I think if I look at someone like Schwarzenegger, and I think 
the charisma's gotten him a lot a lot further than his physical yep. strength. His physical gifts got him in there because we want this big dude on screen. We want to talk about how big he is. How many times in his early movies were people going, that guy's huge? Yeah. You know, pointing out that he was a specimen. And yep. he is. He was a specimen back then. But he at least had the understanding that there are certain roles that I should be tailored to and I need to know where my audience is. And he's he was a shrewd operator. Yep. He knew that certain films were going to be bankable for him. And his charisma was a big part of that. Yep. We, we loved going to a Schwarzenegger movie to have a bit of a fun time and enjoy what he was going to do. Yeah. Even his dumbest films are I still guess, watchable. I guess the way I look at it is the fact that we're having this conversation says your physical gifts or what, what's going to get you a chance. Mm. But unless you are someone like a Bruce Lee um, who is doing just incredible stuff or, and I look at someone like Jet Lee mm. or Tony Jaa, you mm. know, um, unless you are bringing something like that to the table, yeah. you've got to have some of that ability and, and personality and that's why I think someone like The Rock has gotten that far because you are going to get that chance to say, right, we need, this is an action movie and we want a massive dude in the role. We want yeah. a physically imposing <clears throat> guy or we want someone who's believable jumping out of jumping out of helicopters and yeah. things like that. But if you don't have that acting ability, it's going to... It's, gonna it's going to end be up short cutting lived. you short. Yeah. And that's where Bosworth comes in. that's what happens in. to the Bos. <clears throat> Dennis Rodman? See, Dennis Rodman's a funny one for me. I know uh, he's... He didn't a, have the physicality other well, than the height. Well, I mean, he, he had... The way <clears throat> I look at it is, okay, he was a basketball player, he was a big guy, but whoever put him in a movie just looked at him and thought, oh, geez, this guy dyes his hair, and people think it's interesting, so we chuck him in a movie. If anybody had bothered to watch the guy in an interview or a press conference or yeah. anything, he was always aloof and really sort of guarded and very... He was certainly not a words man. No. And, he, you know, he mumbled. He never did anything not with that, his not, face. Not that, you know, not that I'm saying he was, he was stupid or anything. He wasn't. He just wasn't a person who had it, I guess, when it came to the cameras. No, he wasn't he the guy nothing. you shoved... You went to at the end of a game and put a camera in his face. Yeah, so you talk to everyone else first. It's things like that that make me question what where the producers just want to throw their money away rather than something like the Boz. Yeah. Because the Boz did have a bit of that sort of bit of that charm and a bit of <clears throat> bit of humour and things like that going for him. Rodman didn't have it. I mean, all you had to do was watch an interview and say, This guy's not gonna work. And 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 again, you know, um, it's the same goes for guys like this Howie Long character who had, you know, he started as a heavy in, I think it was Broken Arrow. Mm. He was in Broken Arrow. So that's a shrewd choice because you had Travolta was at the peak of his powers. It was a John Woo movie, I think, Broken Arrow was. So he, 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 he slips in as a, a heavy in a, in a good, good film. And it's funny you talk about, we talk about the heavies and the moving to the hero roles and things like that. And then... It kind of goes back to wrestling because these guys know that that stuff works. Mm. The public doesn't matter what you're doing in these roles. The public will, will go with you. If they like you enough, they'll go with you in mm. in different directions. Like wrestlers are constantly changing from, from baby faces to heels and yeah. all this sort of stuff. So The Rock probably knew, hey, I'm going to be a villain in this one, but if I, if I do the job right, I'm going to be the man yes. in the next one. And quite... Frankly, right now, he is the man. Exactly. And as that, far as action, certainly as far as action films go, he's hitting the man of the park. You know, and, his and last few movies have been... Bankability. Yeah. He's, he's leading... 
He puts Let bums on seats. Hollywood. Yeah. He puts bums on seats, and people like him. So going into uh, probably probably wrapping the discussion up. Yeah. Who okay, are your well, favourites? Well, guess one more thing about The Rock is you watch The Rock in a press conference for selling his movies. Nobody sells these movies like he does. No, he's a likable he guy. He charms. He he talks to everyone. You know, he's nice and he's accommodating and all that. And that's another thing he probably picked up from your Schwarzeneggers. So that's since, how you do it. So since you've trampled all over my attempted segue, sorry, sorry. I'll just uh, I'll go straight into it. Are we going it for say, best and worst? We're going for best and worst, and we'll stick with The Rock, because okay. for me, Rock is top of the pile. Yeah, well, um, I, I don't think there's any others who can really top that mix. I, I just think the bloke is fantastic. I'll watch him in anything he does, and... It's partly because he does those movies that we like to see and that yeah. we don't get a lot of good quality in anymore, the yeah. action movies. So oh, The Rock at the moment is probably the one guy that I would say, yeah, I'll, I'll watch him in just about anything. Yeah. Now that he's not doing things like The Tooth Fairy and that sort of oh, stuff. Shit. Back to the action uh, action fair. I've got a soft spot for the game plan. Mm. <coughs> um, I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who else are you throwing on um, the table? Obviously Schwarzenegger, as, yeah, as far as the, the ones that I, I like. Bruce Lee comes up. Again, I haven't seen a lot of his catalogue, but again, I'm a bit like you. He was a guy who was doing incredible things, Yeah, and they are still incredible. So I, watched, uh, I watched a few of them in, in my teens. I got it, I went through a little little bit of a phase where I decided to watch a few Bruce Lee films, yeah. and he's awesome. He's yeah. just the, the fight scenes are, are fantastic. OJ Simpson? Oh. <laughs> You jest. Sorry. But I, I've got to throw it out there, get a little bit controversial. I thought OJ was, was awesome in the in the Naked Gun movies. That was before we knew that he liked to kill people. Yes. And, or, you know, I didn't kill people. anyone, but if I did, if this I did is it. how I would have done it. God. The Naked Gun films were almost like the perfect thing for a bloke like that. And he kind of played into the stereotype of what people thought about athletes yeah. and that. He was playing a dopey Yeah, and, and he was a klutz and a moron. Yeah. He always get himself caught up in stupid things. They were funny. Unfortunately, OJ didn't really have much else in the in the canon, did he? He didn't no. do a lot of other films. Tearing well, it Inferno. wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that long after the third one that he got into his strife. Yeah, he did. Ones that I didn't like, Rodman he's instantly springs to mind. Rodman was awful. It was just a, an absolute mistake. And like, yeah, like we said, it was baffling. It was a silly choice from the get go because any anybody who bothered to do any semblance of research just knew he wasn't going to work. Rodman Rodman stinks of what we're getting today with reality stars. Is that just because they seemingly have some kind of market somewhere, or that they we put them in a film? I just no, I don't think anyone really looked at it and said, "Can this guy act?" Can he give us anything reasonable on film? Yeah. And it's the answer was no. He couldn't. And don't, don't get me wrong, I, I thought Robin was a great basketballer. Like, I really liked him as a basketballer. I, thought I really liked his, his, the way his work ethic and the way he played. But that does not segue into making movies. No. And he wasn't even, I mean, even as a basketballer, he was noticeable because of all the hair dyeing and the crazy stunts he used to get up with. But he was always... He was always a bit player. He was a role player, very good, but he was sort of a role player and he was on teams with, with big stars like Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. Yeah. He was never, he was never the, the star one of any of it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of basketballers, Shaq. Shaq. Good Lord. <laughs> steel. <laughs> Should we even touch on steel? 
We'll throw look. We'll throw him. Throw him a bone for blue chips. Blue chips not really an action movie. But blue chips was bit player in a in a drama focused around basketball. And a lot of his time on screen was on the basketball court. Yeah, that's right. And so that's not to me. That's a no brainer. They were looking for basketballers, and he was a star. Yep. Um, When we get into the is it Kazam or Shazam? I think it's Kazam. I think it's Kazam. It's Kazam. Kazam and then Steel. These movies were terps. They were garbage. They were. Those movies were garbage in the first place. It wasn't being helped by casting Shaq in them. Yeah. Staying on basketball, I might slip back into the good (laughs) for a second. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, true. For a guy that was was known for being a bit of an asshole and... (laughs) Like, you know, keeping to himself and very hard to relate to. Yeah. He was awesome in uh, in uh, Flying High. Yeah. And, and he was in, it was in Game of Death. was in Game Death. of Death. And it was the perfect sort of role because all he was was, a, was a, a villain that didn't speak. He was just physically imposing and he looked incredible being this big seven-foot giant against massive little... legs doing, these, doing this kung fu stuff with Bruce Lee who mm. was tiny. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, what I he's think getting a, he's getting an honourable mention. What I think Kareem did well was played to his strengths in all his. So with Game of Death, it was physicality. Airplane playing against type, kind of as a bit of a goose, but then sort of shows his true colours later when that kid keeps pushing him about. Yeah, your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, no, no. I'm Roger Murdoch, and then he finally goes cracks the shits, and and you know he he, he could have a laugh at himself. Yep. And he's just popped up in a heap of different little sort of cameo slash small parts. And he's always engaging on screen. Yeah. You'd never call him a star. That's why he's more of an honourable mention type. Yep. But he does a reasonable job whenever he gets out there. Yep. Any others that you would call on your negs and your no-goods? Well, I thought yeah. you probably wanted to throw a little bit more dirt on Bosworth. but No, uh, no, no. I'm not going to cut into I've given the bloke of spanking as it is, but... I'd probably throw Hulk Hogan into the, the no good either. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I see you're on board. <laughs> uh, as I said, I was a wrestling fan in the 90s, uh, and uh, Hogan was, was big. So I saw the likes of Suburban Commando. Look, um, Suburban Commando was passable. The it movie was, okay. was all right. I don't know if it was – I think it was – what worked about it wasn't much, but – what did work was that he was um, this oblivious kind of fool, mm. and I think the Hulkster's acting kind of lent well to that because he seemingly was when he got onto a movie set. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Hulk, Hulkamaniacs and all that stuff wasn't going to cut it. No. Yeah, that wasn't an acting. That was over the top, even for wrestling. He yeah. was over the top. I'll throw a, throw a, a quick bone to uh, Dave Batista. Yes. Because he was excellent yes. in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was good in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, not in sure fact, what he else probably he's... steals the movie away, which is – it's not necessarily because he's a great actor, but he's got probably the best role in terms of his oblivious sort of stupidity. Yeah, and he does it He does, does it, very it well. well, yeah. So I, I expect bigger things from um, Batista because I believe he's going to be in the Kickboxer remake. Yeah, the Kickboxer remake. And uh, Something another else, name. I know, that's right. He's, he's playing one of the villains in um, – the new Bond, Spectre. Ah, uh, yes. No, I think he is in Kickboxer as well. Yeah, he's also in Kickboxer. Yep. But he, so he's starting to get some some roles. Yep. And look at him. He's playing to the strengths. Mm. The physicality of the man, 
Because no doubt there'll be a buffet between him and Bond at some stage. And Batista is a massive human yeah, being. Massive. So, and they're going to play up that. You know, they're going to play up that, that confrontation. So I like the fact that he's sticking in his wheelhouse at the moment. Yeah. He knows what works for him and it's, it is it is currently working. Yeah. I think we'll, uh, we've covered it. Yeah. The actors and athletes. We've slung enough mud. We've slung enough mud around the place. Hulk Hogan's probably looking for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll just take one last break and then come back and let you know what we're going to cover next episode. Next episode, we'll be going into the forest for the 1980 slasher, Friday the 13th. I've actually got a little bit of a despair in the pit of my stomach because I get the feeling that this one's not going to be what I remember it as. I haven't seen it in a while. Mm. I have seen the film a few times, but I have not watched it in a while and just something's nagging at me that it's not quite what I once thought it was. Yeah. Probably me nagging at you. <laughs> you know, it's similar to when I nagged you about Stone Cold. <laughs> um, so tune in. Thanks for listening today and take it easy. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.